2: If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We're the creators
1: of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast.
2: Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first listen. listen. This season...
0: Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about cod. Yep. It's a whole episode about codfish. Yes, and it's quite the tail, the fish tail, the tail of a big fish. It's very meaty. <laughs> and Not though, fishy at all. It's, it's kind of a little bit fishy. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. It's an important fish. It is. I had no idea. And I'm honestly really excited to tell you guys about it.
1: Yes, I am too, and not only because the pun opportunity, one, is one of the reasons we decided to do this episode, (laughs) and two, it is ample, and we will try to hold back, but no promises.
0: No, as per the usual,
1: no promises. No promises at all. So we got a couple of quotes to demonstrate kind of how big this fish has been throughout history. The first is from Don Quixote. He said it must be Friday, the day he could not sell anything except servings of a fish known in Castile as pollock or in Andalusia as salt cod. And here's an an anonymous American rhyme. The codfish lays a thousand eggs. The homely hen lays one. The codfish never cackles to tell you what she's done. And so we scorn the codfish while the humble hen we prize, which only goes to show you that it pays to advertise. That's wise. (laughs) That's wise.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's and this is a uh this is a rare occurrence this is a two rhyme
1: a two rhyme a two intro rhyme
0: intro yes because there's also an irish folk ballad about cod liver oil of course there is clearly um, there had to be okay the the story is about a man whose wife is taking just a ridiculous amount of cod liver oil medicinally and it goes My house it resembles a big doctor's shop with bottles and bottles from bottom to top. And when in the morning the kettles a-boil, you'd swear it was singing out cod liver oil. (laughs) Oh, I can only imagine it with an Irish accent. Yeah, I decided to not do that. Very
1: wise. That's, yeah. Completely on board. And um, <laughs> big ups to Mark Kurlansky's book, Cod, A Biography of the Fish that Changed the World, which
0: is probably the second reason uh, this episode is happening. I'd say the first reason. And then when, like, you you said that it was a cool book, and I was like, kneel before cod. I think there's two things together. They fishtailed, you, you, you might say. <laughs>
1: you might say that. Oh, and no. then we just riffed on puns for, like, Two minutes, <laughs> and then we decided, yes, we shall do this. Cod save us all. Cod save us all. In cod we trust. In cod we trust. All right, so puns aside,
0: cod, what is it? A fish. A fish? Uh, it's a few related fish in the genus Gaddis. Or gatus, possibly. Some closely related fish go by other names like pollock and haddock, and uh, some completely unrelated fish also get called cods. But mostly, when you're talking about cod, you're talking about two specific species the Pacific cod, or Gatus macrocephalus, and Atlantic cod, or Gatus morhua. Mm -hmm. Both can live up to 20 years and grow to be about 6 feet, that's 2 meters in length, weighing up to 210 pounds, that's about 95 kilos, and is not small. Um, They are typically much younger and and smaller when they're caught, though, usually only about 10 pounds or 5 kilos. Both types of these cods run in large schools, catching prey along the bottom of relatively shallow waters in the ocean. And they typically eat by just opening their mouths and Swimming until something tasty just falls right in, um, be it you know, plankton or crab or fish. And this is why in, in Mary Poppins, um, Mary says to young Michael when his mouth is agape, close your mouth, Michael. We are not a codfish. I feel like
1: this is my fish spirit animal. <laughs> just swimming, mouth agape, hoping. Hoping. Hoping for the best. But expecting the worst.
0: No. You never know if your mouth is just open and you're swimming in the water. I don't know what's going to end up in there. I did read a report of a cod that was caught that had a pair of dentures stuck in its stomach. That is both sad and oddly humorous.
1: <laughs> I feel bad for laughing, but... It's pretty funny. I'm sorry for
0: that particular fish, but man.
1: And whose dentures were they? Oh. No. An under-the-sea mystery of history. <laughs> Questions. <laughs> The important questions <laughs> only here on foodstuff,
0: <laughs> um in case you were also wondering, cod produce millions of eggs when they spawn and they're and they're kind of cute. they've got these little blunt noses and these dark speckles, and they have this white streak down each side of their bodies from head to tail, and a single whisker on their chin called a barbel, huh a barbell, yeah, it's like a, like a little like a little witch's hair, oh, yeah,
1: I've gotten one of those in my day. <laughs>
0: Me too. <laughs> True facts. Oh, theirs are useful. Um, Pacific cod are grayish or brownish in color and live uh, in the chilly coastal regions of the North Pacific Ocean. And Atlantic cod can come in lots of colors from kind of yellow-green to olive to red to, to brown or gray. And they live in the chilly coastal regions of the North Atlantic Ocean. And, yeah, this fish, as it turns out, was pretty instrumental in the founding of – North American colonies. Yeah. Um, a carved pinewood sacred cod has been hanging in the Massachusetts State House since 1784, and it symbolizes prosperity.
1: We all pray to cod for prosperity. <laughs> One. This should be a running tally.
0: Oh, no. Uh, okay.
1: In New England, there's a fun story about the difference between the sacred cod, which has that white stripe, and the haddock, which has a black stripe. To feed the starving masses, Jesus held a cod in his hands and made it multiply. White stripe. Satan tried to do the same thing, but since his hands were hot with hellfire, he burned the fish. Hence, black stripe. Haddock. Huh. yeah. Um, and kind of going off of that... In Iceland, cod is the far preferred catch when compared to haddock. Yet Icelanders eat more haddock. And when asked why, an Icelander said, we don't eat money.
0: Wise words.
1: Very wise. Yeah.
0: And speaking of eating, uh, nutrition-wise, cod meat is white, fairly firm, and flakes easily. It's not very fatty, and the flavor is pretty light, not, not super fishy. It's really high in protein, though, and is a good source of a few vitamins and minerals like niacin, phosphorus, and vitamin B6. And aside from cod meat, folks also consume the aforementioned cod liver oil as a nutritional supplement. And this is an oil derived from you, – you guessed it. It's cod, cod livers. It's right there on the package. Wow. Yeah. This stuff does pack a nutritional punch, uh, depending on the particular fish you get it from. A single teaspoon can provide you with your daily recommended intake of vitamins A and D, plus some good fats, those uh, omega-3 fatty acids. It can help some folks control their blood pressure and the amount of bad fats in their blood. Other uses have not been very well proven as of yet. uh, And as with any nutritional supplement, you should talk to a doctor if you're interested in adding cod liver oil to your diet.
1: Yes, because if it isn't abundantly clear, the only degrees we have are in puns. <laughs>
0: I've got a B.A. in English. That's related. <laughs> oh, goodness, it is. <laughs> oh, man, I studied a lot of Shakespeare, too. That that was basically just, just fast track to food stuff.
1: <laughs> Shakespeare leads. That's the only place it leads. <laughs> I should have known. You should have known. If we're talking about numbers... Around the world and throughout history, you can or could find cod prepared in all kinds of ways, and it's a fish that wastes very little. In Iceland, you might find cod stomachs stuffed with cod liver and then eaten, as you would a sausage. The Scottish eat this as well under the name of liver muggy or crappin' muggy, just for example. I'm probably butchering that. I'm sure it sounds better in Scottish. I hope so. Uh,
0: yeah, cod liver and its oil has long been considered a delicacy, uh, with the latter sometimes used like butter. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah not just not just uh, medicinally. Hmm. Uh, also, cod is the original and preferred uh, fish to use in fish and chips. Yes. Delicious. Mm-hmm. There was also New England cod chowder that was very popular for a long time before clam chowder really came on the scene. And we'll talk more about why that's not a thing very much anymore in just a little while. Yes. Um, after salmon and canned tuna, cod was the number three most eaten fish in the European Union as of 2012. And worldwide, as of 2016, the cod market was worth about $5.3 billion. Wow. This accounts for the trade of about 2.6 billion pounds, or 1.2 billion kilos, of fish. That's stunning. I Doing the research on this episode, I...
1: I'm not sure I've ever had cod outside of frozen cod.
0: And even then, I'm not sure. I am not 100% positive either. I feel like I had to have. Yeah. I did eat a bunch of fish and chips. Yeah, I did as well. That one time that I was in England, yeah. Um, And I mean, and I eat a lot of that here too, to be honest.
1: Yeah. It's just hearing the numbers being that big. And when we go into the history of, cod, it'll all make more sense why we're kind of pondering about this. I, I'm just I'm kind of shocked that it's still that Still much. such a big thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, more on that later. For now, let's talk about the word cod. Oh, yes. It has very mysterious origins. And many of the uh, versions of where this word come from do have sexual connotations. Because, of course, the slang term for codfish in the West Indies translates to quote, a woman's genitals. Um, It meant sort of the opposite in Middle English, big bag or sack, which then in turn could be used for scrotum. And this is where the name for that huge decorative clothing piece men wore in the 16th century to suggest the awesome, enormous beauty of their genitals, the codpiece.
0: And if you haven't heard the term codpiece before, uh, this is a piece that may either comprise or attach to the front crotch of men's stockings, which is what dudes in Europe largely wore at that time to cover the lower half of their bodies. And although the codpiece was originally intended to, like, modestly conceal men's genitals, uh, covering the gap left by the, the individual legs that stockings were made up of back then, fashion would turn the codpiece into this very ornamental, Very exaggerated item. Um, Eye-catching, you might say. Uh, Fancy ones might have been embroidered and bejeweled. Suits of armor had these greatly protruding cod pieces to send a message about the wearer's virility to his opponents. I can't believe we're talking about this (laughs) on a food show.
1: Sorry and or you're welcome. (laughs) What an interesting fashion accessory. Samuel Johnson's 1755 dictionary definition of cod had to do with um, a husk full of seeds, which maybe later was usurped because cod laid so many eggs. So, I I suppose that makes sense. Um, since the 1800s, cod has meant joke or prank in both British English and Danish, possibly because of those ridiculous cod pieces dudes used to wear.
0: And All of this is probably why when Peter Pan mocks Captain Hook, he uses the term codfish.
1: I'd totally forgotten about that. Yeah. It's funny how you don't question things. You're just like, hmm.
0: You're like, yeah, sure. That's an insult. That's a funny word.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, The French word for cod at the time uh, also meant prostitute, or it came to mean prostitute. And I believe this word is still used in France and Quebec to refer to salted cod as opposed to fresh cod. Apparently, there is no word for fresh cod in a handful of European countries, so you have to say fresh salt cod. (laughs) There you go. Sure. In Spain, there's a colloquialism um, of whoever cuts the salt cod, meaning the person in charge. This has to do with a tale of the king of fish, the boastful cod, who wouldn't shut up until God himself intervened.
0: So that is the history of the term cod, Kind of, a little bit of it. Um, And we do have more history for you. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel.
1: Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies.
4: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
0: Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it!
4: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share
3: it with. So you write the books, Jean and time on the business. I understand now, it's a wise man uh, marries a wiser woman.
4: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple
3: Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States.
1: So we've been mentioning and we said right at the top that the cod is a very important fish historically. Very big, you would say. I would say that.
0: How big was it?
1: (laughs) Well, it was this big and my arms are all, all the way outstretched. They are. Yeah. My mom used to do that for me with like love.
0: Oh, you know, I love you
1: this this. Oh,
0: that's very soft.
1: Yeah, she's very sweet. But we're talking about the cod right now. We are. The cod tempted Europeans further into the Atlantic for day fishing ships. And before that, Native Americans used hooks made out of bone and nets of natural fibers to fish for cod along the shores of the Atlantic. And originally, a lot of European cod fishing took place around Iceland. But conflicts, including the first iteration of Britain's Icelandic Cod Wars, moved it further and further from Europe. Some of the first Europeans to follow the cod um, to the North American coastal waters were the Vikings and the Basque. After catching the fish, it was frequently cured with salt or dried. The Basque even had a folktale about a cod that could
0: speak... Also, there was an ancient Icelandic belief that eating cod heads would increase your intelligence, and cod liver oil was probably being used topically as a medicine to ease joint pain at that time. Uh, Vikings may have, in fact, been able to make it to North America because they were so good at preserving cod. Mm-hmm. And Europeans also widely used the oil as lamp fuel. Oh,
1: how very useful. hmm Enter Columbus. Oh, not again. Again. Ugh. And Cabot, um, and rent descriptions of cod as big as men. Um, And these descriptions also said that they were plentiful enough that you could just dip a basket in the water and bring it back up with cod. John Cabot claimed Newfoundland, or Newfoundland, For the British, where there was not only a lot of cod to be had, but the climate was very near perfect for curing it. We kind of touched on that in our frozen foods episode. Sure. Mm By 1550, 60% of the fish eaten in Europe were cod. Demand was high enough that Bartholomew Gosnold went on a cod adventure in 1602 looking for more of this fish. And there's a legend, his journey was slowed because the amount of cod in the ocean Slowed him down. Wow. He couldn't Maneuver his ship oh my around. Goodness. And he bequeathed the area he found,
0: Cape Cod. And I feel really foolish for never having thought of that. I that didn't either. Putting together, like, oh, it's, I was just like, oh, Cape Cod, that's a kind of cheddar popcorn. I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. I don't know if anyone here besides Dylan uh, remembers Arthur. The animated show, oh yeah! But they used to have this part in the middle where they would kind of interview people, like live action people. Okay. And they interviewed the guy behind Cape Cod Chips, and, it, and as a kid, I just assumed that Cod was a lighthouse because they had that lighthouse. Oh, on right, it. sure. And I never questioned this assumption until we did the research for this episode. We're we're real sharp, y'all. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Uh-huh. Once we get to the 1600s um, and John Smith charting out where the pilgrims could settle, several folks were intrigued by this Cape Cod, a siren's call for profitable fish. But there was one problem. They didn't know the first thing about fishing. Case in point, in 1621, while British ships were making room for all the fish they were catching, the pilgrims were on the brink of starvation. And something else I read claimed that in 1614, John Smith went on a trip to chart Massachusetts and Maine and returned to Europe with 47,000 cod. The size of this catch was all that a lot of European fishers needed to take to the seas and follow in his wake. Hundreds of ships. John Smith got rich off of cod, according to this. When the pilgrims finally arrived in North America, the Native Americans taught them how to fish for cod and how to use the uneaten bits to fertilize the soil. As the pilgrims grew more confident and competent, they began setting up fishing stations in New England. And the way these worked was two dudes would go out on a dory, drop a line into the water, and hand pull the fish up. Similarly to the Vikings, cod was typically cured after being harvested. Dried cod was about 80% protein and no percent fat, so it was kind of seen as um, how we look at protein bars today. Salted cod lasted a long time, too, a long time for that period, long enough that some considered it miraculous. And speaking of miraculous, the Catholic Church. Ah, the Church forbade the eating of... Hot foods, like meat on Fridays or during Lent, and a handful of other days where you had to abstain from sex and other things and seeing that eating hot foods is not going to help you with that. It's too excitable. Oh, sure. (laughs) That meat's going to just get you ready to go. Um, But you could eat cold foods, like, say, a fish out of the sea, like, say, cod. Cod took on a religious connotation because it's what religious folks ate for religious reasons, for almost half the year.
0: And for more about hot versus cold foods, uh, check out our episode on the four humors. That's a hum- humorously hot or cold, not like physically warm or chilly. Although that had something <laughs> to do with it, too. It's complicated. Yes, it
1: humorously is also... Probably not the funny
0: definition you're thinking of. No, no. It's all about bile. It is. And phlegm. And phlegm. And phlegm can be funny. Oh, phlegm can be hilarious.
1: But that's not what they were going for. No. Anyway, whole episode to catch you up on that, Mm -hmm. should you want it and or need it. But back to cod. In 1640, the collective settlements of the Massachusetts Bay Colony caught and sold 300,000 cod.
0: And the first record of modern Western use of cod liver oil by physicians comes from a little bit later in 1789. It was prescribed to both be applied externally and taken internally for rheumatism of the joints. Yes. And this is where the story of cod gets a little bit tangled up in its own lines. But before we get into that, first we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And with new Pronamel Repair Mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so
1: buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
2: Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
4: I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy.
1: My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and
2: work towards it.
4: i never seen a man How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents family therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
0: Jean Eugene Fodor! Gene, was we'll good?
4: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
3: So you hide the books, Gene, and Vlasta on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man. Uh, marries a wiser woman.
4: But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas.
2: Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene.
0: Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth.
4: Freeze, Americano.
2: Gene. Huh? Oh! run
4: so travel before it's too late your money will return your time won't and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination listen to Fodor's guide to espionage on the iHeartRadio app
3: Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
1: and we're back thank you sponsor yes thank you This is the part of the story where things start to go awry for the cod. Yes. Yes. Um, And it started with the cod became sort of part of its own triangle trade.
0: Uh, Yes, triangle slave trade.
1: Yes. Really top of the line cod was sold to Europeans and colonists in turn would buy stuff like wine from those Europeans. Next, the traders would make a stop in the Caribbean where they sold what they called West India Cure, a cheap cod product intended to sustain the slave population. From the Caribbeans, the traders bought molasses and sugar for rum making for the colonists and also things like salt, tobacco, and cotton. Eventually, this trade grew to encompass slaves as well. Salted cod was used to barter for West African slaves. Fishermen started to specialize almost exclusively in cod to be used for the West India cure meant for slaves. So when British slavery was abolished in the West Indies in the 1840s, the industry almost collapsed.
0: But it would not collapse. Uh, cod would also go a long way in feeding the Union Army during the Civil War. And cod liver oil was increasingly being prescribed for all sorts of ailments, from, from rickets to tuberculosis. Wow.
1: And um, here's a quote from Moby Dick, which was published in 1851. There was a fishy flavor to the milk, too, which I could not at all account for, till one morning, happening to take a stroll along the beach among some fishermen's boats, I saw Hosea's bridled cow feeding on the fish remnants and marching along the sand with each foot in a cod's decapitated head, looking very (laughs) slipshod, I assure (laughs) ye. So a lot of people are reading it. Still.
0: Yes. In Victorian times, English biologist T.H. Huxley argued that the ocean's supply of cod could never be overfished because the fish is such an efficient eater and reproducer. Hmm. He was about to be extremely wrong. He was indeed. And during all of this, the Industrial Revolution was, was warming up and cod liver oil would be widely used in all kinds of industrial applications, uh, woodworking, soap making, leather tanning, all sorts of stuff. Yes, and some fishing innovations like steamships in the 1900s and draggers
1: and nuts entered the scene in the 1920s and 30s. And refrigeration on ships was a real game changer in 1925. These innovations ratcheted up the cod haul until the 1950s. And again, if you remember our frozen food episode, this is around the time people started flash freezing fish, which increased its consumer base. And this led to fish sticks around the same time, which at the time Was most likely made of cod.
0: Uh, Yeah, these bottom dragging trawlers, uh, plus steam engines, plus refrigeration, allowed fisheries to create these factory fleets, which were multiple ships that would go out on the ocean for weeks on end, catching and processing fish right out there on the open waves, even more efficiently than bringing everything back home first. Yes. And meanwhile, cod liver oil became considered something of this miracle cure for malnourishment following the two world wars. Six tons were shipped to continental Europe in 1946 for distribution to children post-war. And the British government began providing free cod liver oil to children under five, women who were pregnant or breastfeeding, and adults over 40 in a program that would last until 1971. (laughs) hoo! That's pretty recent. Yep.
1: All of this, the increased demand, the more effective fishing techniques, led to the 1976 Magnuson Act in the US, which prevented fishing by non Americans within 200 miles of the US. It had an unintended consequence, though. Laws? Unintended consequence? That can't be! (laughs) I've never heard of that before. (laughs) Um, The perhaps overly enthusiastic U.S. fishing industry, now without foreign competition, flooded Atlantic waters and overfished the heck out of cod. Guess that guy we mentioned earlier was way off. Uh, And this meant more regulations, a decline in the number of cod caught. By the 1980s, cod had virtually vanished from the waters around Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, but fishermen thought it was just a migratory pattern. When they didn't come back, Canada's fishery minister banned the fishing of the northern codstock in 1992. 30,000 fishermen lost their jobs. At one time, people used to say you could walk across the Atlantic on the backs of the codfish, but now they were reduced to less than 1% of what they had once been. The cod population in the waters, though, has gradually increased, approaching target levels in Georges Bank and the Gulf of Maine. Still, these days, cods uh, you see on menus is most likely not Atlantic cod, and fish sticks are typically made of pollock, not cod. And we did focus largely on um, Atlantic cod in this episode as opposed to Pacific
0: cod. Well, Pacific cod is a much less crazy story. I mean, it's sort of like, oh, we did the responsible thing with it yeah. over here. We're doing just fine, like the populations of Pacific Cod are doing just fine. Right. So that's the, the tale of the cod. It is. It
3: is.
1: It's a
0: cod's tale. It was. Not gonna get me. Okay. Nope. All right. <laughs> Annie, Annie is keeping track, y- y'all, of the number of times that we've cracked up and been unable to stop over the course of this recording. Right. It's only like an eight-page outline, and I think you're up to nine now, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. We uh,
1: we do what we can.
0: We do. And what we can do right now is read some listener, listener mail. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I guess you got me after all.
0: I was trying so hard to I hold it back. I didn't mean to.
1: Oh, it was just... Boiling up under the surface. Anyway, our first letter comes from Holly, who wrote on Facebook, Annie's horrific recollections of making cotton candy in a concession stand for her high school band brought back similar memories from me that to this day make me want to curl up in the fetal position. My high school band students and parents worked concessions at a historic minor league baseball park for fundraising purposes. We did everything from making popcorn and working the counters to handing out promotional advertisement and, yes, the dreaded cotton candy stand. I can still feel the fluff stuck to the back of my arm, glued there by the Alabama summer humidity. Everyone fought over the ice cream stand because you could eat some out of a paper cup if there was no one in line. However, you had to convince customers that the Rocky Road flavor was not what they wanted because dipping it out was like trying to gouge out the concrete floor with a plastic spoon. But the absolute worst, most disgusting job happened with the unsold hot dogs during shutdown after the game. Any leftover hot dogs were unwrapped, and the bun was washed off so that the hot dogs could be reheated with fresh buns at the next game. Yes, that's right. Someone had to be the weenie washer. To this day, I will only eat a hot dog if I can see it being made. Fair. So fair.
0: High school marching band, you guys. It was a... Apparently, I'm glad I glad I avoided it wisely by being in your book and spending like... You didn't have any cotton candy or hot dog nightmares in your book? No, no, we didn't. But I did work like six hours a day on the, that, that book.
1: Mm-hmm. I bet it turned out beautifully. It was a formative experience. There you go. Well, this was a formative experience for me as well. I will say I got to go to Disney World, which is the whole reason I joined marching band.
0: <laughs> so if I had to put up with the cotton candy machine, it was worth it. I'd say okay. Yeah. Audrey wrote, I was listening to your podcast on garlic and was laughing my head off at how garlic was used very sparingly. You see, my dad makes a soup that uses not 10, not 50, not 80, but 100 cloves of garlic. Yep, 100 cloves. Then again, we are Korean. This brings me to a little story. My dad said he was going to make his 100-garlic clove soup. We, us kids, were going to wait for the soup to cook, but my mom pulled out a huge bag of garlic bulbs. And yep, we shelled 100 cloves of garlic. Actually, it's pretty tough. Thank you for letting me take you guys down my garlic memory lane. That absolutely sounds tough. I oh. get frustrated with one. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a system. You, you, you give it a good smack and then you just kind of shell it.
1: My system is very different. My mom got me a device that just does everything.
0: Oh, yeah? Oh, that's, that's, that's nice, too. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you, you can just, like, like put the clove down on, like, a cutting board and then, um, and then put the flat of a knife blade on top of it. And then just, just press down real hard with your hand. Oh. and and then it kind of cracks um, mm-hmm. the skin, and then you can just shoop. You can shoop it? You can just shuck it right off.
1: I think I'm thinking about mincing. Mincing is such a pain because garlic is sticky. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. I did learn to mince on garlic. That was a tough time. I, You know, we all have our, our trials and tribulations. We do. We had many in this episode.
0: We did, but...
1: We persevered. We did. We did. And we appreciate you sticking with us on this journey.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for for, for listening and for writing in. If you would like to also write in, you can do that.
1: Yes, our email is foodstuff at com.
0: We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at foodstuffHSW and on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Dylan K. Fagan, who we're going to mic from now on because he tells us amazing puns when we can't stop laughing already. Thanks again to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
2: if you're happy and you know it san diego is the place to show it book your trip at san Diego.org. funded in part with the city of san diego tourism marketing district assessment funds
4: the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie